Well, I'm ready. When whenever you are. I'm Euro. I'm Chris. <laughs> and this is Fork Bomb. Thursday, May seventh, twenty twenty. Episode twenty nine. PC emulators. How you doing, Chris? <laughs> I'm good, Euro. How are you? <laughs> good, good. See, we had to do the switcheroo this time. That's what we do on episodes twenty nine. Um, on on prime number episodes, I guess. New new tradition. <laughs> <laughs> Hope we remember next time. But um, anyway, so this was a really really fun project. Um, I really really enjoyed uh getting getting around to playing with PC emulators. So uh, first of all, I want to say thanks for um. For introducing me to that, I uh, I was stuck with the notion that VirtualBox and uh, and console emulators and and DOSBox that that was that was it. But um, but then then um, PCM, you told me about PCM, and that uh, that kind of opened up uh, this this whole other world. So we should well, first of all, I'm glad you had such a good time. I certainly did too. Um, I have been obsessed with this since. I found it, and I guess we should give some background on what it is and how it compares to your regular run-of-the-mill emulators. Right. Um, um, are we going to assume no knowledge of virtual machines when we explain this, or...? We should assume no knowledge. Um, so we may have people that uh, have never used a virtual machine before. It's so, a computer inside of a computer. It's software acting like hardware. And um, and so that that actually th- it's interesting because a lot of people use emulators, which and you're absolutely right. It is it is software emulating hardware. So uh, you can basically emulate um, well whatever the software is written to do. So a lot of the famous ones are console ones, um, SNES, 9X. For Super Nintendo, uh, FCE um, for NES, and, and a bunch of other systems. Pico for Sega. So you have those emulators, and those are the ones that uh, that I've actually used for a long, long time now. But um, but uh, then you have the emulators that actually emulate eighty x86 architecture. A uh, very famous one is DOSBox, and people are running. They're using DOSBox to run. Uh, they're old, old games on, on newer systems. So that way they don't have to buy, you know, the machine, the, the, the metal, uh, you know, as people say, uh, the actual machines, they can actually emulate this on their windows 10 machines or their Linux machines, etc. Mac. Um, and, uh, and, and that, um, it, it's, it's great because it allows you to, you know, slow down the processor so you can run more speed sensitive games. You can install operating systems that are no longer supported. So there's a whole range of, of, of things that you can do with emulators. Um, can and, I, can uh, we also and cover, it's also used for uh, testing. Can we also cover VirtualBox and VMware and Hyper-V just for sake of comparison? Yes, and we might as well throw parallels in there. And <laughs> yeah, so yeah, those sure. are all general purpose um, hypervisors. They um, they also emulate x86 systems. You can run whatever operating system you want on it. Uh, you can run Windows inside of Linux, Linux inside of Windows, OpenBSD, and whatever else you can run those hypervisors on. Um, but they are general-purpose 
emulators. They they um, share a lot of um, they'll share as much of the host system as they can for uh, speed optimization, and their focus is on performance. Um, and when it comes to the type of hardware that they emulate, um, they either they ideally have um, have devices that know they are being virtualized, like um, using the Vert IO disk controller or the Vert IO network adapter, and they can only emulate um, one or two other actual cards, which is considered a slower mode. But what we played with emulates actual hardware and a huge range of it. And you know what was really fun, and it, it it even emulates the BIOS that this hardware is running off of. And so it was really fun to play around with the BIOS settings, play around with different uh, chipsets, and play around with different processors and processor speeds, and um, and different configurations. One of the things that I really enjoyed about PCM is that uh, not only can you change processors, you can change video cards, you can change video card memory. You can add in a freaking Voodoo if you wanted to and emulate 3D Glide, which actually works really, really well. Um, you can emulate different sound cards. Um, I was emulating the Sound Blaster Raw 32. You can choose uh, Sound Blaster 16, Sound Blaster Pro, Sound Blaster 2. Um, the, I think you emulated, didn't you try the Gravis Ultrasound and things like that? I did. Um, yeah. In fact, I have the PCEM status page up now. These are... This, these are the machines that it emulates. I'm not going to read them all, but, I'm, but I'll read five off of each category. It goes all the way back to the 8088s, so the first PCs. It does the IBM PC, IBM PC Junior, IBM XT. Uh, you can do Tandy 1000s. You can do AMI XT clones. Uh, there's the 8086, which are Amstrad PCs, uh, Sinclair PCs, other Tandys. Uh, there's 286s. You can do the old Commodore PCs. You can do IBM AT, IBM XT, 286, IBM PS2s. Uh, you That's can do a lot more than five. <laughs> I, I said five per category. Ah, so the categories category. are the processor types. There's Continue, sir. There's the 386SX and DX. There you have Compact Desk Pros, more IBM PS2s. There's a Packard Bell Legend in there. Um. You can do 486s, uh, the uh, 486 AMI or AMI 486 clone. You can do an award SAS 496, 497, another Packard Bell, PB410A. Um, you can even go up to early Pentiums. Um, I think there's, uh, there's Pentium 1s and goes up to a Pentium 2 and a K62 something, right? I forgot the last K6. Um, I was successful at emulating a Pentium 2 300 megahertz. Um, that was a, a that was a challenge. Uh, I did run it on a, a six core 6850 um, K processor. So and it, and it was clocked at four gigahertz, and it was struggling to to emulate the Pentium 2 300. So there was that, but uh, but yeah, I, I I was able to run that, um, and that was the max I could do before things started falling apart. So um, I think the fastest that I saw on there was 
don't know if it was a Pentium 2 350 or there might have been a seller on 400 something like that but um but yeah um so it's it, a wide range yeah it can emulate a huge range of processors everything down to the 8080 um but you can also do things like um the the 4060x2 4060x4 um the Pentium overdrive 83 megahertz um it does a huge range of graphics cards um including like you mentioned voodoo graphics cards cga ega the hercules um, oh yep. phoenix yeah hercules trident s3s it uh, does diamond stealths <laughs> it does pretty much all the sound blasters except for the aw64 but it does have all 32 it does right. the gravis ultrasound which i played with and got working um yeah Yep, various hard disk controllers, mm -hmm. uh, CD-ROM drives, floppy drives, um, you name it. Even zip drives are emulated on there, so yeah, um, yeah. so you can have fun with that. Uh, network works uh, when you when you get it to work, but uh, but it, it wasn't too bad. Um, yeah, a uh, large large array of things. Uh, then you can full screen it, make your whole desktop look like it's a you know 8088 if you wanted to, or 8086. Um, it, it it's really fun. It's it's incredibly fun, um, you know. So so one of the things that uh, and actually you were mentioning AMI and award and things like that. So those are bios. Um, those are different bios, and it was really fun to see. Well, so when I grew up, or when I, as I was, I guess I'm still growing up, right? Uh, so <laughs> so as uh, when I was younger, I was using the uh, AMI bios uh, quite often, but I haven't used AMI bios since probably um, since probably you know back in in high school i think I, I switched over to using awards and um and i hadn't used ami bios in, in forever and uh recently now with well with this i was able to play with ami bios again and i just you know a flood of memories came back uh playing around with that when i was a kid getting frustrated at the at the hard drive um <laughs> types and things like that uh but it, it was fun it was it was definitely fun um, you know, going through that the exact same menu. I hadn't seen that screen in years and years. Um, so, so, you know, you get the full experience, you know, it's, it's not just you install DOS on a generic machine. You actually install DOS on that machine. Um, and it so, runs you know, with ISA at the speed of that machine. That's right. You can do that machine. So I felt a little bit like Phil on Phil's computer lab, you know, <laughs> I was over there playing around and benchmarking stuff, by the way, um, shout out to Phil. Uh, thank you very much for those benchmarks uh, on your site. They were really helpful. Um, I did get to uh, play around with them, and I tested uh, different processors at the same speed. I tested a 386DX, uh, 33 megahertz, against a 486SX and a 486DX, 33 megahertz. By the way, SX and DX had absolutely no difference in those benchmarks, in case you guys are wondering. Uh, but a 486DX... 33 megahertz versus a 66 megahertz actually did double the speed on on most benchmarks so uh that that was you know really neat to see i thought it wouldn't be double that but anyway i'm jumping ahead i don't want to jump ahead um just just want to let you uh, let let people know that awards and ami those are all different kinds of bios uh that uh, you can play around with when you start up your computer you know and hit that dell key and set up your hard drives and things like that so you were saying that it emulates the BIOS of each machine. It, uh, that's not quite true. It it runs the actual BIOS because we had we had to download the the uh, BIOS images for it to work. So it emulates the hardware and that hardware is running the 
that emulated hardware is running the actual BIOS. Sure, true. Yeah, emulating the hardware, you're, you're absolutely right. We did have to download a, a ROM pack and then set it up in the ROMs directory. Uh, pretty easy, nothing, nothing major there. Um, one thing is, if you're learning the Linux version, um, I had to compile it. So just be comfortable with the make command and all that stuff. Um, in Windows, they already prepackage it for you. It's already pre-compiled. So, um, you know, you just install it like any other uh, application and then you just um, put the ROMs in the ROM folder. So there is that. So um, mm-hmm. did, did we even, so we've, we've been talking about PCEM, but you played with a fork of it as well. I did. Uh, I did. Uh, so I, I did play around PCM, but I also played around with a, um, with a fork of it called uh, 86 box. And, um, I didn't know 86 box existed either, but, um, um, a guy named Michael Richmond on Facebook, um, he, he, you know, he, he linked to it and I was curious and, uh, and I set it up and actually I prefer 86 box over PCM. Uh, there just seems to be more options, uh, more options to choose from, more speeds are available. I think that Pentium 2 that I was talking about earlier is available on 86 box, uh, only, uh, there was different versions of the Pentium 2 as well. Um, so, uh, so yeah, that, that was, uh, that was neat. Um, so I, I just prefer 86 box. You, I did end up downloading the 86 manager, which, or the 86 box manager, which gives you that, um, front screen where you can set up your different, bo- uh, you know, different, different PCs, uh, with different configurations. Otherwise 86, uh, box just runs and you just have the option of running one machine. Um, so, and you just have to do everything through the configuration menu and you don't get a screen to select your machine or save different machines. So 86 manager, 86 box manager, highly recommended. Uh, so yeah, thanks Michael, uh, for that. Um, I was able to successfully test a windows 98 machine with a Pentium two. I, I basically try to do the best settings that I could before my, my machine would crap out, um, due to all the, you know, the high settings and everything. And I was able to set up a machine with a Voodoo, I believe it's a Voodoo 2, 8 megabyte. Uh, you can actually, and I don't know if you could do this with PCEM, I didn't look into it, but uh, with 86 box, you can actually SLI uh, Voodoo 2s. So I thought that was really neat. That, you that could is do neat. That. Yeah. You, I don't um, think you can do that with PCEM. Okay. Yeah, there's the option on 86 box. So um, I didn't try SLI. Um, I want to. But I did try uh, emulating, uh, I'm sorry, uh, I did try benchmarks. So I installed 3D Mark 2000. And, um, and then I, I was wondering if, because you see, as I was using the, my computer and I would increase the speed, my performance just using it was, it, it wasn't like, it wasn't unstable unless you, you go really crazy with the speeds. But, but it, was, it was to the point where, where things get, get wonky or applications close or the whole thing would freeze. Um, so, so I thought, okay, I have my Pentium 2 300. It was stable there. And I thought that if I lowered the speed of the processor down to like a 266 or a 233, that I would actually get better performance on 3D Mark. And uh, that wasn't true. <laughs> so, <laughs> so you know, it actually, actually, speed did make a difference. It made a pretty big uh, difference, actually. Um, so the faster you can get your processor, the better. Um, so, yeah, 3D Mark uh, 2000 proved that. And, um, and, yeah, as I was saying before about the 486 and things like that, I was able to test different chips. 
Um, you could test it from motherboards too. I think you tested one, right? Chris, you tested the same motherboard, the same same chip with different motherboards, something like that, or, or yeah, uh, um, yeah, I yeah, I did um, same chip, separate motherboards, and the the um, DOS 3D benchmark was exactly the same. So I don't think the motherboard made any difference. Uh, there, so that might be uh, one of the downsides of emulation in that it uh, might not be so. So it might not be so accurate that it would affect those results because you would think in real life uh, that they would at least be somewhat different, but it was exactly the same. Yeah, and I had that same situation with the 486SX and the 486DX, uh, both the same speed, but uh, they both they were both exactly the same. Um, so that I thought that was interesting. Uh, things did get much more interesting when I tested a 3D6 versus 46, same speed. Um, there's a huge difference between a 46 and a 3D6. I mean, according to these benchmarks, not not just, you know, forget the hardware. That, that's Of course, that's important, but I'm just talking about run the exact same benchmark. And there's benchmarks, one, that won't run, um, you know, uh, most likely due to due to missing items on the, you know, missing missing components on the 46, uh, the 3D6 versus 46. Um, I don't know if there was a, um, well, the FPU, I was using a 387, so that, that shouldn't have been an issue. Anyway, there was a, there was, uh, there was some benchmarks that wouldn't run other benchmarks that ran incredibly slow. And, and so that was just, um, it was just really interesting. You know, you went down from, from like 20 frames per second down to nine frames per second, same, same speed, 33 megahertz, but you, you have, you just have a completely different chip. So, uh, so I thought that was, that was really interesting. Uh, and like I said, uh, from, from using the same 486, 33 megahertz to 66 megahertz, practically doubled, uh, the speed. And so I, I'm used to now, nowadays when you increase the speed, it actually marginally increases things. You know, it doesn't double it unless, unless, you know, just some application scales incredibly well. But in this case, it, everything doubled in DOS. Um, so, and I think, uh, didn't you have an issue with, uh, Duke playing at 33 megahertz? It was almost unplayable. It was pretty slow. Yeah. Yeah. So we had to, we had to crank it up to 66 megahertz and, and then it was okay. So, um, yeah. So yeah, that, that was pretty much it. It sounds like you did a lot of benchmarking. Uh, what else did you do? Uh, benchmarking. Um, I installed windows and T. Um, I haven't installed Windows NT in a long time, so I installed Windows NT 4.0 Workstation. Um, that's the that's the one that uh, the interface looks like Windows 95. Um, it's also notorious for running uh, for not running applications that are designed for Windows 95. Uh, basically, if it's not for NT, forget it. Um, so so there's that. I had some driver issues. Um, my S3 Verge card wouldn't wouldn't uh, display the proper colors. Uh, I was stuck at 16 color mode. And, uh, and I had some network driver issues, um, but, uh, but it all went away when I installed Windows 95. Uh, I think I was using OSR 2, it's the OEM version, the one that comes with Inner Explorer 3. Um, so yeah, that, that, that helped. Uh, I was able to find the drivers for that. Um, there's that incredible website that you shared, Chris, it was really good. Had everything. WinWorld PC? Yeah, WinWorld PC. That was awesome. That, that had boot disks. Uh, different operating systems, DOS operating systems, IBM stuff, uh, a lot, actually. It was a great resource for this. 
between that and archive.org, uh, you can definitely find a lot of software uh, for for your for your PC needs for back then. Hmm. What about you, Chris? What did you do? Um, first thing I did was set up a Windows 3.1 machine uh, and try to as closely mimic my childhood setup as possible. Uh, so that was, um, I had a Packard Bell 4860X2 when I was growing up, so what I ended up doing was a AMI 486 clone, DX266, 8MB of RAM, uh, 500 megabyte hard drive, installed Windows 3.1, um, installed the best of Microsoft Entertainment Pack, played some Ski Free, uh, set up Print Shop Deluxe, uh, pretend I was Clint from LGR and made some cool crab, um, <laughs> some cool crab letterheads. I played with Photoshop 3.0 and did some uh, 90s era f- uh, photo editing in glorious 256 colors. Um, I learned how to install Windows 3.1 video drivers because I never knew how to do it. So now I hmm. now I know how. Um, that's why it's fun to play with this stuff because you can experience how it actually worked. Um, let's see what else did I do? I decided to learn how to, uh, I wanted to hear the Gravis ultrasound in all of his glory, so I learned how to set that up in DOS, played with the MIDI jukebox. I set up a Windows 95 machine on a Pentium 166, tested um, the Voodoo card, uh, ran Unreal Gold, it worked really well. And I also set up an IBM PC Junior, tested out um, IBM King's Quest, not Sierra King's Quest, but IBM King's Quest, the first one. Ha-ha. And I also set up an IBM XT286, and that was really interesting because we're used to um, we're, we're used to the easy life. You just plug in your hard drive and your BIOS knows what to do. It just auto-detects things. Uh, not not here. In fact, Mm-mm. you don't even have the BIOS set up um, software in the motherboard. You have to put in a floppy that has your IBM diagnostic utilities or your third-party G setup disk. And that's how you configure the BIOS. Um, so there you have to tell it which type of hard drive um, you have. And it, whether it be a Type 1 to Type 47, and that matches up with the number of cylinders and heads. and um, Good old Type 1, 10 megabyte. And then I learned about uh, drive controllers, because now we're used to drive controllers being built onto the drive. Not in the 286 days. Um, you have to install a separate drive controller. And then, once you have those two and the right combination, of the drive and the drive controller, and you said the right incantations, then it sees that you have a hard drive. Um, I guess the only thing that I really couldn't experience was doing a low-level format, because there is no physical disk to, to deal with, just a disk image. Right. Um, I yeah. tried to get MTCP working, but I couldn't quite get DHCP to work on the 286. Um, I'll have that figured out later. And, oh, and I decided to try um, some clock speed dependent games like Defender. And uh, yeah, sure enough, they run at the proper speed, which is one thing I wanted to mention. Um, Where most virtualization focuses on 
uh, speed and performance. This focuses on accuracy. That's why you need a 4 gigahertz CPU to emulate 166 megahertz Pentium. Yeah. And it doesn't matter how many cores you have because you're, e you're emulating a single core a processor. Single core. So you only use one of your host cores. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it does it incredibly well, though. But uh, absolutely, uh, it doesn't really matter how many cores you have. Um, so I, um, you know, I, I'm sitting here thinking about the, the, the question, you know, what is better? Is it better to emulate or is it better to have the physical? And, um, and there's some things that you're still missing when you're doing emulation. For example, I distinctly remember um, dip switches oh, yeah. on the motherboard. And not just dip switches, but the actual, uh, not, the, not the little blue with the, with the white, and then you would use your fingernail or whatever to, to, to move it up and down, but I'm talking about jumpers as well. So uh, you're, you're missing that. So there, that, that, there is that one aspect um, that I was thinking about as I was playing around with the emulator. Um, there's the whole touchy-feely thing, and I do like to, to have the, the, the hardware with me. Um, so there is that. There, there is that aspect of, of, you know, I still prefer to, to use it on actual hardware. However, um, just the sheer amount of, of, of things you could test out in emulation um it's it's fantastic and if i were to get an older machine um you know i would know exactly i would know exactly what to do because i've already tested it out in emulation so so there is that i mean and and it is it is as close as you're going to get to the actual machine you're absolutely right about the accuracy it's very accurate and uh down to we even noticed a flicker uh when you chose the cga card yeah <laughs> yeah so it, it it really is you know very very accurate you started the machine, the first thing you see is the BIOS of the video card. You know, I had a Trident 1 megabyte, and that right. would show up. So that was really neat, too. Uh, you see the memory countdown. It says, it, put, it says, you know, to press Dell to go to the BIOS screen. I mean, it is, it, it, it is like the real thing um, to, to, the, to the best that it can be. So, yeah, I mean, other than missing out on low-level formats, uh, dip switches, um, you know, jumper settings, things like that, and the touchy feeling stuff, the touchy feely stuff, yeah. I mean, it is it, it's as close as you're gonna get to having those, to, to to having those machines. And also, you know, there's those are there are those ridiculous prices that are out there right now to buy a 386 and 486 machine on eBay. Um, you know, so this is a much cheaper alternative. <laughs> <laughs> You've made every point that I wanted to. Um, I do agree with you on if you do want to set up a a physical machine, this is a great way to test things out and learn how to use it to get a, a sense of uh, how fast or slow things will be. Um, right. So yeah, I think you can even emulate the turbo button on some other boards. I did see it on the, um, I think there was a setting on 86 box for turbo and normal, and I think we also saw it on the 286 AMI BIOS. Uh, there was a turbo and uh, a normal. And then none for some reason. So, yeah, absolutely. Uh, you can turn on ca cache. <laughs> you can you can cache. turn that on and off and things like that. Um, so, um, absolutely. I much prefer it over 86. Uh, I'm sorry, over DOSBox. I mean, well, no, let me take that back. DOSBox has its unique 
uh, features. I mean, if you just want to play games and you don't want to deal with anything else, DOSBox is for you. I mean, it, it's going to do the best. It's going to be the best at that. Uh, but if you want to get an actual feel for, for what it was really like and what it's like to actually have that hardware but without having it, this is definitely the way to go. If I were going to build a, a DOS machine, I don't think I would go DOSBox uh, just because now I, now I know I have this, you know, and I would just rather use this instead. Um, I want to see the megahertz. This is this is part of it. It's part of me running a game. Is is I want to see the Energy Star logo on the top right. You know, hmm. <laughs> things like that. This is this is part of the the whole starting up my Wolfenstein 3D and things like that. So, so here's all good points. Um, here's some things you can do just because it is an emulator, though. Um, some of it is similar to what you can do with DOSBox. Some of it isn't. Uh, similar to similar to DOSBox, you can map an actual joystick to the emulated PC joystick. So if you have a PS4 controller and you want to use it to play TIE Fighter in PCEM, you can do it. <laughs> um, what one issue though that was a challenge that we both solved in different ways was how to get files onto um, onto the emulated yes. machines. Absolutely. Do you want to uh, talk about your way first? So I was running it on Windows. Um, for some reason, I my network would not see my local network. Um, when I checked, my my IP was a completely different range. Uh, it assigned it a 10 dot uh, IP range instead of a 192. I tried to change it, then it wouldn't work. So I just left it at 10 dot. And um, uh, but but. It was able to see when I had an FTP server running. And that was running at 192, so go figure. Um, so I was able to, to FTP. So I, I would have an FTP server running on my host machine. And then I would run uh, an early version of FileZilla on the Windows 95 or 98 box. And I was able to FTP files back and forth. So that's, uh, that's how I got games and, and different programs to run. Um, I did have some CDs, so, and it completely, it, you can use your CD ROM drive if you happen to have one, uh, you can use that and it'll emulate it, it it'll use it, it'll use the CD drive's resources on the, on the, on the machine itself, on the emulated machine. Um, but I, there was some other files that I didn't really feel like burning to disk or anything like that. So I would just, um, uh, either FTP over, um, you know, and, and do that. Actually, at one point I installed daemon tools because just because I remembered <laughs> that I was doing that when I was younger. And then I was like, what am I doing? I could just select the image and, and, and have it run that way. <laughs> so, but yeah, I do remember distinctly copying over an ISO, an ISO image to my to my emulated machine and then running daemon tools to run it, you know. So you for, can do that if you wanted to. It's not going to stop experience. you. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so you know it's not going to stop you from doing that, but uh, but yeah, so so that's how you can do it. Um, you can either emulate the drive, the CD drive, and then just run your images from there, or if you have individual files, then uh, I would FTP it over. So, but you had a different experience. Yeah, so I had a hard time getting networking working. I eventually did. Um, there's two ways of getting networking going, either via uh, PCAP, which which uses packet capture, or some antiquated technology called Slurp. I don't know how it works. I just know it somehow em emulates a modem and it's magic. Shoehorns the packets in that way. Um, someone leave a comment and tell us. Honestly, no one has, besides Jamie, no one has ever left a comment. <laughs> <laughs> 
Come on, somebody tell us how Slurp works. Yes, please. So, I, so we don't have to look it up. <laughs> and uh, so my way of getting files onto it uh, was an operating system independent way, since it's uh, using just uh, standard disk images .img files. Um, first, I I I would mount the partitions in those image files onto my local file system on my host uh, as a loopback device. And that way, I was able to directly copy the whatever software and files I had onto the virtual machine's hard drive. Then I would unmount it, turn the machine back on, and my files were there. And so this worked for everything that I ran, including the, the uh, 286. That's great. Yeah, uh, I guess you can mount the uh, the the actual images of the hard drive and just copy files in there. So, yep. So but that's another way of doing it. Your way is better in that you don't have to turn the machine off. Yeah, it, but I think it takes longer. So there is that. Uh, I remember it taking me a while to to you know uh, FTP a six hundred megabyte CD drive a uh, CD CD ROM. Hmm. Yeah, and then I learned that I didn't have to do that. <laughs> I did try. But, um, I did try mm -hmm. the. Um, Host CD mode for the for the CD-ROM where it, it it it'll use your physical CD drive and a physical CD, mm -hmm. and that broke things. It's oh, slowed huh. it down, locked it up. So, um, I would not recommend that. Um, you know what put a big smile on my face was when I was playing. I I, I put on Quake, GL Quake. Okay, so that's the Glide version of Quake. Mm -hmm. And uh, I, I put that on, and I was expecting all kinds of problems, and it fired up immediately, no issues whatsoever. First try, I was playing Quake 1, GL Quake, no issues whatsoever, and it was, it was great. Nice. Um, that put a smile on my, to my face. I was like, this is it, this is awesome. And um, yeah, absolutely no problems. As a matter of fact, when I started up GL Quake, the first thing that came up was the 3DFX logo. Nice. Which definitely put a smile on my face. Um, so, so that was neat. Um, yeah, yeah, that, those were all, all positive experiences. Um, actually very, very little negative. Um, you know, sometimes I would have the machine lock up. Uh, I had issues getting a 286, 25 megahertz. That, that, that probably, that already sounds like an issue, but, uh, <laughs> I wanted to take it to extreme. So 286, 25 megahertz, AMI, um, BIOS. Um, and I think I, I was just using the wrong the wrong hard drive. I had set it to type 47, which is a custom type. I set the heads, the cylinders, and the sectors, and uh, it was set, all set to correctly, but uh, for some reason, it just wouldn't start up. It, you know, it would just hang there. So I think it might have been the boot image that I was using, um, but yeah, the, the, you know, that's a very minor complaint. Uh, I saw how you did it, and, uh, and it seemed to work much better by using the MFM controller, so I'll definitely be trying that. Um, next time, probably different boot image too. Um, yeah, my goal was to run the benchmarks that Phil has uh, on a 286, a 386, and a 486 of the same speed, and I, I just wanted to, you know, see the the differences there. So thought that that would be fun. Um, yeah, <laughs> that's uh. Oh, you know what would be really fun? What if we could run SNES 9x within Windows 98? Oh yeah. Windows 98. Ooh, <laughs> Nesticle. Remember Nesticle? Yes. Yes. Or the DOS, the the DOS one, right? That was the DOS one. No, that was Zenes. Never mind. The one that had the hand, you know, instead of yeah, the mouse yeah. cursor. Yeah, the hand. Yeah, yeah, that'd be really neat, you know, to run an emulator instead of an emulator. 
Yeah, we should it's like emulatorception. Um, what else do you want to do with it in the future? I want to run an emulator inside an emulator. <laughs> um, uh, yeah. Besides benchmarking and things, um, you know what? Uh, you know how we've always been talking about setting up the Novell network and seeing how that works. Mm-hmm. Um, I kind of want to do it on on the actual you know hardware that they had back then. So this might be this might be something fun to try. I'm not sure how. At least with Slurp, uh, you might have to do that through the the uh, the the Win PCAP the, thing. The PCAP because you yeah, don't have much control maybe. over the the uh, networking environment. It's it's very very limited. Like, mm. uh, uh, for example, ping doesn't even work. Yeah, I don't know. It's kind of a black box to me. I mean, uh, so I was able to get websites to work. I mean, questionably, because I'm running Internet Explorer 3, and, you know, that's just terrible when running anything. But, uh, but yeah, I was able to get out to the Internet and uh, use my FTP and everything. So I was able to do that. But then, yeah, I had some of that wonkiness, like you're saying. So... Uh, I guess we'll just have to see. Uh, very little options too that you could tune on on Slurp, like any. <laughs> I don't think I could modify anything, so um, it just kind of, kind of, just kind of works. But um, but yeah, setting setting different settings might might be difficult. Um, I don't know anything that you that you're planning to do with it. I want to play with Xenix. I want to try. Um... I want to try to set up a very early version of Slackware on a 486. See if I can get a desktop running there. And I, I, I wanted to ask how you how your Ubuntu setup went. Uh, Ubuntu 4.10. Oh, I, I wasn't trying to install it. I was just trying to get a live CD booted just to see what it would give me for for um, for the the network information. But I couldn't quite get it up. I got it as far as the terminal, but then the terminal wouldn't accept any keystrokes, so I just gave up. Hmm. Okay. So, the ultimate question: Has your 486DX266 itch been scratched? <laughs> um, as far as it can be with emulation, yes. Okay. But I had all of the fun of setting it up, and. I never enjoy using these machines. I I only enjoy setting them up. Once they're set up, I don't I don't touch them again. I typically throw them away. I, I've thrown physical machines away. So, you know, hmm. start up the the uh, the uh, hey machine there. Um, but with this, I can just delete the VM. There's there's no waste. No waste. By the way, Chris, you know what we need to do? We need to see if we can completely. Um, do everything that we do on our physical machines. Uh, so this would include setting up MTCP and playing our DOS games through the network. You know, same. Everything, everything's the same how we do it with our regular machines. Um, we won't be able to do IPX th- through these because of Slurp. Oh, that's right. But we can do TCP IP games. Yeah, but IPX is what we use most. Yep. Most of the time. Descent, Doom, all that. Not Doom. I mean, did we do Doom with that? I don't know. Duke. There you go. I do Blood. like I do like the idea though. Yeah, I think that'd be neat. I mean, just to just to see if it's possible, you know. Um you know, why not? Right, right. Uh that's pretty much all I have to say, uh, about it. Um, so I'd love to hear what people are going to, 
you know, comment and say about it and if they've played around with it or they haven't played around with it, if they thought this was informational, if this was this was good for them. Um oh, Encarta. Oh I got yeah. To use Encarta. <laughs> yeah, I, I installed an Encarta ninety four and I looked up articles about uh Bill Clinton and Sally Ride. And I installed Encarta ninety seven and realized that for some reason my disc and probably all of Encarta ninety seven just had thirty thousand articles. <laughs> and I was like, that can't be right. Um, but I couldn't find any more than 30,000 articles. So, yeah, that was uh, that was interesting. So then I typed in Intel Corp, wanting to learn about the uh, the chips that I was using, and I couldn't find Intel Corp. So that was kind of strange, because I could have sworn I, I had Encarta 96 back when I was a kid, and uh, and I remember looking up Intel and things like that. So, or, or maybe, I don't know. You know what? I don't know. That's just, it's, it's weird. It's uh, Maybe that's that Mandela effect. You know, <laughs> where I thought I looked up Intel and maybe I didn't. But uh, but yeah, so it's kind of interesting that that wasn't there. Uh, but yeah, that was really fun. Uh, I hadn't installed Encarta in forever. So uh, installing it was uh, was fun. Definitely. And then using it. It was a uh, it was a multimedia experience. Uh, didn't you play around with uh, Carmen Sandiego? Um, I, um, I played around with, yeah. Um, we're in space is Carmen Sandiego. We're in space. Yeah. We're in space. I actually like that one a lot. We're in space. We're in time. And actually, we're in the USA was one of my favorites, too. Oh, so, no. Mine, mine was we're in, we're in time. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, we're in time. Uh, actually, it was it was released earlier than we're in space. Yeah, that sounds right. So the, the graphics were more, you know, they were geared more towards uh, earlier machines, but um, still fun. Still really fun. Okay. Well, anything else, Chris? If anybody wants to contact us, give us more topic ideas or um, tell us what they think about this one or give us corrections or uh, praise and accolades, we would love that. Uh, we can be contacted on our Facebook page. Um, Shit. What's the URL for again? For the Facebook page? Yeah. Uh why don't I know this? <laughs> One sec wait, it's Fork Bomb. If you just look up Fork Bomb technology and other nerdy stuff, or you can just type in Fork Bomb, um you'll find it. Fork Space Bomb though. I don't know what'll happen if you put Fork Bomb together. Probably really will blow up. Well, if but, you no, are it came up. If you are um, looking at this in a podcatcher, which you probably should be, the URL will be in the show notes. You can also e- email us at forkbombpodcast at gmail.com. We are also on Twitter uh, at forkbombpodcast. And our website is forkbomb.podbean.com. You can leave comments there, too. All right, Chris. Well, um, it was good talking to you. Good talking to you, too. This one was a lot of fun. Yeah, this is great. We need uh we need more of these. And um uh apologies for all the noise. Uh, the neighbors decided this was the best time to have their party. And so they've been blasting music this entire time. So that I didn't hear anything, but I'm sure it'll show up on the uh yep. on, on the yeah. This will be a fun on edit. the podcast. <laughs> all right, Chris. Well, you have a good one. You too, you're. Good night. Good night.